Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. This oh, is my mom. I would pay to see I'm that. waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn you went Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am indeed your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have you along for the ride. Uh, it doesn't matter to me if you're listening uh, on the airwaves at WCET Radio in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, or if you're listening online at thelastfrequency.com or uh, any of the multitude of locations and platforms, various, where you might be listening to the podcast version of the show. Uh Seems like right now Stitcher is really, really off to a huge advantage over everybody over the course of the last month and a half. Spotify, you guys, have, uh, you've got a new pace setter. You're going to have to get back at it. And uh, iHeart listeners, where y'all been? 
Those numbers have dipped down just a little bit, but even if you were holding steady, you guys are way behind both Spotify and Stitcher now, so come on. And, oh yeah, by the way, folks going to tapintothetruth.com, that's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com, uh, they're actually in third place, so the iHeart listeners are now officially down to fourth place. Sheesh. Come on, iHeart. All right, anyway, uh, glad to have you here, as I mentioned before, and uh, definitely hope you will stay with me at least well into the second hour today, because I have two great conversations uh, taking place that you're going to want to hear. Uh, in the first hour, you'll hear my conversation with Tony Lyons. He is, of course, the president and the publisher of Skyhorse Publication, a group that has been focused on doing what publishers should be focused on, and that is bringing you new ideas, bringing you the stories and the well-written ideas and notions that might challenge your preconceived notions. Oh my, almost a forgotten, uh, forgotten aspect of reading a book, although, hey, let's face it, how many folks are still reading books? Sadly, not near enough. We'd like to change that, though. Also, in the second hour, you're going to get to hear a very special conversation that I had with a retired businesswoman who moved down to Mexico for retirement, and she's had to move back along with her husband at the time, and uh, you're going to want to hear why. Uh, let's just say that it revolves around the question of, is it safe for Americans to live in Mexico, or even vacation there. But before we get into any of that, we've got some uh, stories that I want to get to. A uh, little bit of breaking news as of today, uh, much earlier today, but Liz Truss, the conservative party leader in the United Kingdom, she resigned today. Uh, she is no longer the prime minister, uh, barely even a month into her tenure, uh, you know what, I guess actually technically about 44, 45 days, not very long at all. Evidently, she ran into a little bit of trouble when she started backtracking and making concessions to the leftists in the government. She lost all of the conservative party support, and suddenly it became an issue of no contest. If she hadn't resigned, she probably would have been removed uh, from the leadership of the party. Kind of sad on the one hand, but, you know, actually a good thing in so much as she recognized that she had lost what ability she would have had to lead and decided it was time to step aside. So I guess technically good for her for recognizing what was going on and doing the right thing, but a little disappointing based on how she started the promises that were made the hopes that I had for our friends across the pond to have some positive momentum. Another newsworthy thing that really needs to be brought up right about now, Stacey Abrams. She's got a solution to inflation. Yeah, I know you probably heard this in a million other places by now, but I can't let it go without being talked about at least just a, a little tiny bit. You see, Stacey, Big Mama Abrams, as our good friend Ron Edwards likes to call her, um, she's decided that the only reason you're worried about the 
new high cost of gasoline and the new high cost of groceries is because it's just so much of a burden for you to take care of your kids. So, you know, abortions all around. Let's go murder some pre-born baby humans because that will be the ultimate solution to inflation. Uh, it's hard to imagine that this lady is considered to be qualified <laughs> for what she does. Also, uh, breaking news earlier today, the Supreme Court has rejected an emergency lawsuit in an attempt to block Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, you know, the one that we know for a fact just so happens to be unconstitutional. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, refused to hear the emergency lawsuit. In fact, it's Justice Amy Coney Barrett that did the rejecting of the emergency appeal. This, of course, coming from Brown County, Wisconsin, uh, the Taxpayers Association there. Now, they sued to stop the plan from being enacted, arguing that the administration overstepped its authority in enacting the plan, which we're all pretty much in agreement with. Barrett, who oversees emergency appeals from Wisconsin, dismissed the appeal without comment, which a lot of people got all worked up about it. Some people have been calling Amy bad names, but... Let's keep in mind that that's pretty much the standard procedure for most emergency appeals. The fact that she did not make a comment just means the expectation is this should go through the courts the same as any other case. Basically, giving the lower courts the opportunity to get it right before it's appealed and ends up having to be smacked down by the Supreme Court. Because there's no reason to take up the emergency appeal if the lower courts do the right thing in the first place. I don't particularly like the way our system works sometimes because it would seem to be just a lot easier to pick this up and smack it down. But ultimately, it is the right thing to do. Let the system work. That's something that we have said quite often here. And if you're truly conservative, even though you don't necessarily like having to wait, you probably still are better served by letting the system work. Meanwhile, a lobby, a lobbying group known as Building Back Together, guess who they're helping? Uh, yeah, they promote the entire agenda, as we understand it, from one Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., a.k.a. they, a.k.a. they, I, I'm getting tongue-tied all of a sudden. Enunciation being important, however, uh, let me try that again. A.K.A. Barely There Beijing Biden. Well, anyway, Building Back Together will be spending at least six figures on a midterm advertisement campaign highlighting the current, presumably, Commander-in-Chief's decision to nix the student loan debt. In fact, if you have not already seen the earliest ad, it is available for you to go visit. You can find it on both YouTube and over at Rumble. I would recommend you going to Rumble if you're conservative, at, just because I don't see a reason to continue to support YouTube, quite honestly. Anyway, very odd first ad. Some of the dark Biden memes made its way in and just not particularly creative. Anyway, that's the highlights and quick hits before we have our conversation with Mr. Lyons. But there is one story I would like to focus on here in the first hour. 
we've got an ABC News reporter who just so happened to have been writing a brand new book on Joe Biden's disastrous Afghanistan uh, withdrawal. He's disappeared after being raided by the FBI. This guy was an award-winning investigative reporter. He was working on this new book about the pullout of Afghanistan. He's not been seen in months. This was after his high-scale, high-end apartment was raided by the FBI, reportedly in connection with having classified material on his computer. Rolling Stone ended up being the journalistic uh, jargonaut that uh, broke the story. We're talking about James Gordon Make. He's 52 years old. Like I said, he's an award-winning journalist. He also is a former senior counterterrorism advisor and investigator for the House Homeland Securities Committee, which would indicate to me that he probably does have some level of governmental security clearance, which also means that it's entirely possible that he may have had classified material that he had accessed, but that he was probably cleared to have it. Now, under normal circumstances, I would love to be able to sit back and just give the FBI the benefit of the doubt and say, well, clearly he must have overstepped his bounds or the FBI wouldn't have busted in and did this raid. And, well, you know, we can always expect that the FBI will conduct itself in the most professional of law enforcement manners. And, of course, due process will therefore ensue shortly after being taken into custody. These aren't normal times, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Actually, when I was speaking earlier to my second-hour guest, Miss Janet Sanders, she used the phrase that we're in the upside down. This was before uh, we started the interview. She's right, and this is very much a time where we're in the upside down. There's a lot about this story that's very much in the upside down. The FBI literally conducted a pre-dawn raid on an upscale apartment in Arlington, Virginia. And again, this happened back in April. April of this year, he's not been seen since. I want to know why ABC News didn't break this story. It's their reporter. Shouldn't they have been concerned? This is a guy who's literally just writing a book and he happens to have some classified material. Now, if this was material he wasn't supposed to have, yes, he's answerable to that, and there should be some consequence. But just disappearing, nobody hearing from him, no apparent movement forward of a little thing that I like to call due process. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm not the only one who likes to call it that. It's just a lot of folks on the left have really made it clear that they don't like due process. Where's ABC on this? Why is it October that we're hearing about this? And Rolling Stone has to be... The, I, I, I'm sorry, I just keep scratching my head on this. We all know the, the bastards of conservative all-American reporting that Rolling Stone represents. But at least they're standing up for, you know, a little thing like freedom of the press. Again, if you're violating the law depending on what this classified material is. Okay, again, there should be consequences. 
but just disappearing from April till October and apparently still missing at this point? None of Meek's neighbors have seen him since the raid. Quoting one of the neighbors here, he fell off the face of the earth. That's just, is this not chilling to you? Does this not frighten you? Does this not concern you? It concerns me. This guy was a reporter. I mean, we're living in a time where we have unprecedented levels of censorship, which is a big part of the conversation that I had with Tony Lyons. But disappearing people takes it to a whole new level. This guy is an American citizen who clearly has a security clearance who was just writing a book that maybe, I'm going to go out on a limb here, makes Joe Biden, or at least the administration, look less than flattering. Don't know how far he'd be willing to do that, how far he would go. Now, here, according to, for the benefit of ABC News, just in case you're wondering what they had to say, a spokesperson did make a statement saying that Meeks resigned very abruptly. And that he hasn't worked for us in months. Resigned very abruptly? I would like to know if this was before or after the raid. <laughs> hasn't worked for us in months. He's been missing for months. You want to tell me that nobody at ABC News had a personal relationship with Mr. Meeks? Anyway, quoting from Eugene Gorkoff. In a uh, attorney uh, statement here, excuse me just a second, I had a cough sneak up on me, I had to try to hit the old uh, cough button there, sorry for the, the delay in audio. Anyway, back to the quote here, Mr. Meeks is unaware of what allegations anonymous sources are making about his possession of classified documents. If such documents exist, as claimed, this would be within the scope of his long career as an investigative journalist covering government wrongdoing. The allegations in your inquiry are troubling for different reasons. They appear to come from a source inside the government. It is highly inappropriate and illegal for individuals in the government to leak information about ongoing investigations. We hope that the DOJ promptly investigates the source of this leak. Really, you're more concerned about the leak? You're more concerned about the leak? <laughs> the report also said that it's unclear what story Meeks could have been working on that would have led to the raid. But it did note that the entire situation was even stranger because Meeks was finishing a book titled Operation Pineapple Express, the invisible story of a group of Americans who undertook one last mission and honored a promise in Afghanistan. Now, for those of you that Operation Pineapple's ringing a bell, but maybe you can't quite place it, that is where former military, retired military, people that had served in Afghanistan, who had personal relationships with some of the Afghanis who had worked with us and tried to help secure the country from the provocations of the Taliban, 
where they utilized their resources and literally went in, snuck into the country, and helped sneak people out that the Taliban were literally looking for. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get everybody, but they kept the promise that our government made that the Biden administration clearly had no interest in keeping. Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann, who was co-authoring the book, said that he got a call from Meeks earlier this year indicating that something was going on, saying, quote, He contacted me in the spring and was really distraught and told me that he had some serious personal issues going on and that he needed to withdraw from the project. As a guy who's a combat veteran who's seen this kind of strain, I don't know what it was. I honored it, and he went on his way, and I continued on the project. So, Colonel Mann is still working on the book. The report, again from the Rolling Stone, also suggested that based on new Justice Department policy outlined by the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, thank God he's not a justice on the Supreme Court, <laughs> this, uh, this suggestion, in order to seize materials from a journalist, authorities would have to believe that the reporter was working for a hostile foreign power or terrorist organization, or involved in situations like kidnappings or crimes against children. It doesn't really seem like this would fall into any of those categories. So the real question is, where is Mr. Meeks? James Gordon Meeks just disappears, makes has the opportunity to call up ABC News and says, um, I'm going to have to resign, just out of the blue. ABC News doesn't really seem to care enough to say, hey, why, what's going on? The colonel gets a call from him. Again, everybody's time-framing this right about the time of the raid. Still not a lot of clarification on if this was immediately after or if it was just before him. Maybe Meeks had gotten wind of the fact that they were coming for him. But where's he at? Where is Mr. Meeks? According to Eugene, it's supposed to be Meeks' attorney. He seems more concerned about the DOJ studying the, the leak. Is he just hiding? You know, I just, I walked away from everything I quit so that they wouldn't send me off to Guantanamo. What's, what is the deal? I don't know, but I do feel like we should be getting a little more information here. And I feel like we have been terribly, terribly let down. Once again, by the mainstream legacy media. All right, let's uh, take that mid-hour break a little early. And when we get back, we will uh, we'll have that conversation with the president and publisher of Skyhorse Publications, Mr. Tony Lyons. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back on the other side. My name's Joe Biden. Not a joke. Not a joke. And that wasn't hyperbole. 
I meant that. I'm not joking. No, I'm serious. This is not hyperbole. I'm not being facetious. And I mean it. Not a joke, for real. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. But all kidding aside, for real. No, I'm not joking. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight joker, I sure don't want to hurt no one. I keep forgetting I'm president. Congratulations to former House Representative Tulsi Gabbard on her decision to leave the Democrat Party. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook being brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. Ms. Gabbard explained that she could no longer remain in today's Democrat Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms and liberties are hostile to the people of faith, demonizing the police and protecting criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans. They believe in open borders, weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents, and above all, dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Tulsi Gabbard is one of many who have had enough of the demonic Democrat Party of skyrocketing inflation, unaffordable petrol, the literal destruction of our great cities while balkanizing a republic. Also, Ms. Gabbard hopefully will reconsider her support for Bernie Sanders' socialist policies and trimester abortions. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Ours is the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government. And with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know right now it is crazy thinking about putting your money anywhere than just in your gas tank and your grocery bill. But assuming, and we all know what happens when you assume, but assuming that we all manage to survive the Biden administration and that at some point down the road, common sense will return to governmental policies, especially the fiscal side of our government. 
then it's going to be up to you to have invested your money. And to do that requires three basic simple principles. Uh, funny that I use the word simple because you want to keep it simple. You need to keep investing and you need to keep your portfolios diversified. Uh, don't believe me? Go ahead and ask Kevin O'Leary. Uh, you probably know him better as Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. Yeah, that's what he tells you too. That is his overall investment philosophy. Trust me, uh, Beanstalks is a very good opportunity. Now, it's not for everybody. You must at least be in the middle to upper middle class before it's going to be really good for you. Uh, obviously, that's the situation that a lot of us are kind of slipping down from thanks to Biden inflation. But if you do fall in that category, go ahead and visit beanstalks.com. That's B-E-A-N-S-T-O-X. Dot com for some seriously simple investing. Invest in your future and follow the advice of Kevin O'Leary. And uh, just full disclosure, yes, I do have a small equity stake as well. Uh, not enough that I'm even legally required to tell you, but in the interest of full disclosure, just want you to know. That's Beanstalks. Look for a link in the show description as well. Remember. Don't take my word. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. It is my honor uh, once again to get to welcome to the show a brand new first-time guest. He is the president and publisher of Skyhorse Publishing, and uh, he is a man who has been standing up to censorship for quite a while now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Tony Lyons. Uh, Tony, uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I greatly appreciate your time. And uh, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Uh, the honor is mine, like I said. Uh, first and foremost, before we uh, dive into uh, today's primary topic that I have you on to discuss, I was hoping you could give us a little bit of a background on Skyhorse Publishing and answer for me the question of how long you've been in publishing altogether, because I want to establish your bona fides in this area. Yeah, I've been doing this for about 30 years. Yeah. So, yeah, 30 years of of publishing, and I've never seen censorship like I've seen in the last two and a half years. Yeah. Nothing even close. Yeah, it is uh, it is frightening if you are a lover of uh, freedom and liberty, and uh, especially uh, the freedom of expression, which is kind of a big deal in the publishing industry. Uh, you know, it, it really does feel like right now in the uh, publishing industry, they basically a majority of the companies operating in that space have bent the knee to the uh, woke crowd. And uh, to me, that feels very counterintuitive to what publishing is meant to be. Uh, as an insider, uh, 
am I far off from that assessment? No, not at all. I mean, the question is, what's the point of buying and reading a book if you know exactly what your position is before you, you read it? So the idea of a book is to, you know, read something that's challenging, something that might, you know, draw into question what your beliefs are. So what's happened is that, you know, books have become sort of uh, just a, a confirmation bias kind of purchase where so many people are you know, only willing to, to buy books that they know they're going to agree with beforehand. But much worse than that is the idea that all the big tech platforms at this point, most of the bookstores in the country, most of the websites, um, you know, most of the magazines all have a specific political bias. And that political bias means that they won't even sell or advertise or review things that they believe they're going to disagree with just based on the title or the author. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know when I was a young man growing up, uh, I kind of had this hierarchy of American heroes in my mind. And I, I put our military and our police officers in that top tier. And then I put uh, reporters and publishers in that second tier, because I always thought those were the people fighting on the front line for uh, our ability to know the truth and to uh, offer up different ideas, different perspectives. So it, it really does, as a consumer of these products, uh, really hurt my feelings, but it does me a, a lot of good. It really does it warms my soul, for lack of a better term, to know that there are still some publishers out there doing the work like you are over there at the Skyhorse. Uh, is there a particular book, and I don't want to get you in trouble with any of your authors, so if you want to decline or if you want to give a, a, a extended list and answering, but are there uh, any particular books that you're most proud of being associated with and having published Sure. I mean, there's a book called The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And that, I think, is the most censored book that I've ever been associated with and that I've you know, ever heard of. Um, it's just the censorship that was brought down on this book was just overwhelming. And, you know, for that to happen in a democratic country and in, in what we hope is a free society where Robert F. Kennedy Jr. accuses Dr. Fauci of the most insidious kind of financial entanglements that you can imagine, where he is essentially working for the pharmaceutical companies to help them maximize their return on investment and not considering public health, not considering people. And so that's a serious allegation. And whether it's true or not really matters. So you would hope that the media would look at a book like that and they would say, you know, this is scary. If this is true, we're in a lot of trouble and we need a, a kind of a revolution in this country to have real regulation, to have a government that's separate from the companies that they're supposed to be regulating. And 
what actually happened is that nearly every mainstream newspaper in the country ran a hit piece against the author, didn't investigate any of his claims, and censored the book, didn't review the book, would not allow advertising for the book. So you couldn't advertise on any big tech platform for the real Anthony Fauci. And now there's a movie version of it coming out just two days ago. And that's being censored everywhere. So the idea that in a free society, the most powerful public health official, probably over the last couple of years, the most powerful person in the country who is perfectly able to protect himself, doesn't and shouldn't need censorship to protect himself, doesn't have to answer any allegations against him. I mean, that seems to me like a like fascism. I mean, it, it seems to me that if there are sincere accusations made in a book that has 2,194 citations and in a very serious, meticulously researched movie, that, you know, censorship of that book and that movie that's encouraged by the government should be unconstitutional. So that's, that's the worst case that I've ever seen. But we've had a lot of other books that have been censored in all kinds of different ways as well. Yeah. Well, uh, have you faced any a real threat, any real pushback from official sources? Because I would imagine, given the fact that you don't shy away from the controversy, that you refuse to bend the knee to the woke crowd, that you probably get a ton of the so-called activists and a good number of bots doing the, the social media thing, trying to down the, the publishing company. But uh, we, we just heard breaking news from uh, this ABC reporter who went missing uh, back in April, uh, obviously in government custody because he was writing a book about uh, Biden's uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. We we remember under the Obama administration how reporters were being monitored very closely and uh, some bullying going on. Have have you had to deal with anything even remotely like that, or are you concerned about that maybe moving forward, given some of this stuff that's going on? I'm not really concerned with consequences to myself. I'm concerned with living in a society where these kinds of stories are totally censored, where you're, you're not allowed to contradict your government, where freedom of speech is under attack everywhere. So I think, you know, that should be all of our greatest fear. So that's my feeling, is that I'm not concerned what happens to me. I'm concerned with what's happening to our country. Well, I spoken like a true patriot, sir. I salute you for that response. Uh, now, the primary uh, reason that I reached out, you've been uh, very vocal on this topic, too. We just recently had Barack Obama try to issue a warning to the Democratic Party for those that were bright enough to pick up on it and to, to try to get a notion. But he kind of took a crack at cancel culture in particular. He even used the terminology uh, excuse me, terminology, enunciation being important, <laughs> uh, uh, use the term buzzkill 
in the reference. But what I took away from this is it really sounded more to me like he was trying to warn them about the messaging. Like it's an issue of how we tell people what we're up to rather than being so in your face and obvious about it. Almost a hint to return to the slow incremental uh, from the shadows movement in this direction instead of actually warning them about what cancel culture actually accomplishes. Uh, what was your initial thoughts when you heard uh, these statements from Obama? And uh, do you think that there was a feeling that uh, Barack himself is concerned about actual council culture or just being out in the open about it? Yeah, so I don't think he's concerned at all about council culture, about censorship, about stifling debate. You know, these are things that have been going on for a long time. He had many, many opportunities to come out and make this kind of statement. So you have to look at what he actually said. So, you know, he says it's a buzzkill. So he's coming out and he's trying to sort of sound a little bit hip. Um, he's trying to, to normalize what's been going on. But this is not a buzzkill. This is people's lives that have been affected. These are, in some cases, people's lives that have been lost because of the censorship that's been going on. So, and I'm happy to, you know, explain that further in the sense that, you know, when somebody has a point of view that contradicts the mainstream narrative and they're deplatformed, censored, kicked off everything, they lose their jobs, they can't go to work. Um, that affects people's lives. That's a really serious thing that can ruin lives and that ruins democracy. And so for him to say, you know, the sort of audacity, the, the sense that he can make a joke out of that kind of thing, um, when it's so incredibly serious that what's been going on appears to me to be blatantly unconstitutional, where the government is instructing newspapers, magazines, websites, big tech platforms what to do, and, you know, making it clear that there are consequences if they don't play ball. So that's not a buzzkill. That's ruining our democracy, and that's ruining people's lives. And in the case of medical information, where they kind of weaponize the terms misinformation or conspiracy theory or disinformation or, you know, those kinds of things and make it so that those words are used to describe anything that they disagree with so that they can say that science is just what a government official tells you it is, where any scientist knows that science is the product of intense debate and deliberation in the marketplace of ideas, and we need that. And when we don't have that, then we're not following real science. Then we're just following fascist science, and that costs people lives. I mean, that costs, you know, people not being able to make good decisions because they don't have the information that they need to make those decisions. Right. Yeah, I think a good case in point is just uh, this week the CDC is They've already passed uh, one vote to uh, put the uh, COVID-19 vaccination and part of their paid-for grouping for young kids 
uh, for the vaccination, and they're supposed to be voting. Actually, I think they voted today. I haven't had a chance to check uh, the result as to whether or not they're going to make that mandatory for attending school. And yeah, so they, they did vote to make it uh, on the recommended CD list, CDC list, but schools take that as being mandatory. Right. All right. So here we are essentially still in what should be considered the trial phase of these vaccines. We're getting more and more information that's harder and harder to, to squash where young people in particular who are not at a particularly high risk from COVID are now developing myocarditis and other various things. Now, again, it seems like the risk from taking the vaccine is much higher for people under a certain age group unless they have certain other comorbidities. And yet, if we say this uh, in the past year, by virtue of me just stating that, that would be enough. If I had tweeted that, I'd be booted off Twitter. If I put that on Facebook, I'm in Facebook jail for 30 days as a minimum. And uh, your point is exactly uh, spot on. This is the kind of information that needs to be in more people's hands so they can make informed decisions. If the media doesn't stand up and do this, uh, then it's up to publishers and that form of media to try to get the truth out and to see social media and mainstream legacy media, news sources, trying to prevent you from getting that word out once you have it. Uh, it's been quite the uphill battle, and it does still seem to be part of cancel culture censorship. And as you've said, it's a form of tyranny. Yes. I mean, we published a book called um, Transcend Fear by Dr. Joe Latipo. And Joe Latipo is the Surgeon General of Florida. And he did an extensive study on the impact of COVID booster shots on healthy males from 18 to 39. And he, his study found that there was an 84% increase in the uh, possibility of serious, potentially lethal heart problems from the COVID-19 vaccine, and that it far outweighed the benefits of the protection that you could get. So it was a very serious study. He's a Harvard-trained doctor, uh, has worked at some of the most prestigious hospitals in the country, uh, but it didn't matter. Everybody came out against him. I mean, all of the mainstream media sources just attacked him right away. And they didn't attack his research. They just attacked his conclusion because his conclusion was going to cost them money, was going to cost them power, and was going to create a situation of uncertainty. But in science, when it comes to life and death decisions, it's okay to have uncertainty. You want to make the right choice. And if it's unclear what the right choice is, you certainly have to give that choice to the individual in consultation with their doctor. Absolutely. Yeah, it does seem... Uh, counterintuitive to what the American ideology has been in the past, and especially uh, these leftists that still claim to be liberals. I remember uh, liberals standing up and saying, point blank, I may not agree with what you're saying, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Uh, where are the liberals at today? <laughs> That's just not who they are. Um, uh, one more question before we start uh, winding down. Uh, 
we've seen some recent defections from the Democratic Party. We've seen an entire movement of the walk away, which, you know, it's not getting as much press now, but it's still ongoing and still reaching people. We saw Tulsi Gabbard make a big production about her official announcement that she was leaving the party. Is the Democratic Party, as, ex as it exists today, do you think, based on everything you're seeing, are they smart enough to figure out that maybe more than just a messaging issue, that they should move away from cancel culture altogether because of how negative it is in the uh, just to the general state of being an American citizen and uh, loving the Constitution and loving the people you're supposed to be representing? Yeah, so I think the idea that they, you know, trooped out Obama, you know, just a short time before a critical election is an indication that they recognize that their their way of doing it isn't working. But I'm, I'm not sure whether there's any real soul searching going on, but there might be some searching of, of polling, you know, where they're saying the messaging is wrong. But I find that to be scary because these issues are not about messaging. These are about fundamental rights and about, you know, your right to be, you know, innocent until you're proven guilty, that you can't have your livelihood taken from you based on unsubstantiated allegations. You can't have your livelihood taken from you because you disagree with the government. So, you know, I don't think the Democratic Party is understanding what it's been doing. And, you know, we don't want soul searching that's just tied to election results. We want real soul searching where these kinds of programs that are where they're stifling dissent, where they're going after anybody who disagrees with them, not in the marketplace of ideas, but through power, through, you know, shutting people down. And that's un-American, and it's, it's not a question of right or left, or it shouldn't be a question of right or left. These are unconstitutional. These are immoral. These are, you know, just different from the things that this country is based on. Well, I, I don't think I could have said it any better myself, so it seems like a pretty good place to leave the conversation, at least for now, Tony. Uh, before we go, though, please let everybody know uh, any websites that you want to share. I know you'll want to get the uh, Sky uh, Horse uh, Publishing website out there. Uh, any of the social media handles for the uh, company that you want to share as well, please feel free to share that. And then any final closing thoughts you want to add to it, feel free to go ahead with that as well. Yeah, so my one final thought is that this this movie that just came out on the 18th, so it's it's been out now for two days, it's been censored on, on, on the big tech platforms, but it's downloadable for free. So the filmmakers are not even trying to make money on this. They have no conflict of interest. They just want people to watch this. And it's the real Anthony Fauci movie, and it's available for free download at the real Anthony Fauci movie.com. And I think it's essential, whether you're sure you're going to disagree with it or not, your listeners should watch this and they should think about it and they should decide for themselves whether they've been brainwashed or whether they agree with the arguments that are presented in what I think is just a groundbreaking, uh, critical movie for people to watch in, in this season. I don't think there's anything more important for people to watch. All right. Uh, and uh, is there any other websites you'd like to share? 
Yeah, so skyhorsepublishing.com uh, is our website, and it, it shows the full breadth of the books that we publish. It's got all 11,000 books that we have in print. And, uh, and I would love it if people took a look at that, and I'd, and I'd love to hear from, from anybody. Um, they can contact us through our website. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir, for everything you do. I, I really appreciate the fact that you guys have had the courage to stand up and publish some stuff that other people have shied away from uh, out of fear and uh, either fear or a willingness to go along with the same mentality. Uh, so in either case, a shame on them and, and good on you. And I really hope we get a chance to get back together and speak again soon because I've enjoyed the conversation, sir. Thank you so much. God bless and Godspeed. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Tony Lyons, president and publisher of Sky Horse Publishing. And uh, definitely, uh, I will put a link in the show description for the podcast listeners, and I will definitely have to get it up on the website soon, too. So if you want to visit tapintothetruth.com sometime soon, I will get updated on recent guests. I just haven't had a chance. I've been a bad boy. I'm sorry. Stay where you're at. Uh, we'll be right back after this brief break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. In the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, this is Tom Caldwell, innocent January 6th defendant and proud Navy veteran. You're listening to The Voice of Reasons. Your ever-so-humble host, Tim Tapp, proud member of multiple NSA watch lists since the Obama administration. All right, guys, glad to have you here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Mr. Lyons. Uh, obviously, the thing is, when it comes to uh, Mr. Lyons and everything that he said, he sounds extremely conservative by general standards today. But... It really wasn't that long ago that that would have been a right-down-the-middle conversation. You could not have had any inclination, if he was conservative or liberal, based on that conversation. And I, and I challenge you to go back and, and point out anything that would suggest otherwise. Now, today, everybody seems to think that if you deviate from the doctrine of the left on just one single topic, then obviously you're a MAGA Republican. And of course, you're trying to do crazy things to the country. Here we have a gentleman who has been in the publishing industry for over 30 years, and he's also an attorney, by the way. He's a lawyer. He's not actively practicing, but he does put his law degree to work for uh, creating contracts for the folks that uh, they publish. And he was only 
During the course of that conversation, standing up for the ideas and the principles of freedom of expression, the free exchange of information, due process, people's right to have uh, informed consent, meaning that you actually need to have all the information before you can consent to something, as opposed to being mandated to go along with. One of the most dangerous things that we have going right now is this CDC uh, determination that uh, all kids should probably be uh, vaccinated for COVID before going to school. Now, that did happen today. Uh, at the time uh, of uh, my conversation with Mr. Lyons, he had already heard it. I had not. That's not a big deal. The deal is that it did pass. The deal is that children who are at extremely low risk of COVID are being forced to take something that, by science, is still experimental. There's a reason why there's years that normally are put in place of trials before you get approval. This was rushed because of the perceived threat, which was exaggerated at best. Obviously, some people were at high risk of bad things happening with the, the whole COVID bit. Fortunately for us, the COVID virus did the exact same thing that most other viruses do, and that is as they became more contagious, they became less lethal, even to those with multiple comorbidities. Now, that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't take reasonable precautions, but we're back to taking the same precautions that you should. The emphasis here is on cancel culture and this effort to control information. I'm more concerned about, uh, about Tony's well-being than he is. He's more concerned about this great country of ours. He is a patriot regardless of his political leanings. That's it for the first hour, you guys, if you're listening to the podcast, or guess what? If you're listening at WCET, or if you're listening on The Last Frequency, this was the only outlet previously that gets broadcast on terrestrial radio that plays the full two hours at one time. So I don't have to do the full reset like we normally do. You guys can just sit back, relax, and wait for the second hour to start after Doug, a.k.a. the Crazy Cajun, does all his magic to make sure that the show plays like it's supposed to over there. If you're listening to the podcast, hour number two starts, as usual, right after this. In the meanwhile, before I sign off for this first hour, would like to send one more message to Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Said their vows. He 
couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She With gratitude, we, the students of the University of Minnesota Twin Cities Medical School Class of 2026 Stand here today among our friends, families, peers, mentors, and communities Who have supported us in reaching this milestone our institution is located on Dakota land. Today, many indigenous people throughout the state, including Dakota and Ojibwe, call the Twin Cities home. We also recognize this acknowledgement is not enough. We commit to uprooting the legacy and perpetuation of structural violence deeply embedded within the healthcare system. We recognize inequities built by past and present traumas rooted in white supremacy, colonialism, the gender binary, ableism, and all forms of oppression. As we enter this profession with opportunity for growth, we commit to promoting a culture of anti-racism, listening and amplifying voices for positive change. We pledge to honor all indigenous ways of healing that have been historically marginalized by Western medicine. Knowing that health is intimately connected to our environment, we commit to healing our planet and communities. We vow to embrace our role as community members and strive to embody cultural humility. We promise to continue restoring trust in the medical system and fulfilling our responsibilities as educators and advocates. We commit to collaborating with social, political, and additional systems to advance health equity. We will learn from the scientific innovations made before us and pledge to advance and share this knowledge with peers and neighbors. We recognize the importance of being in community with and advocating for those we serve.
broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Thank you so much for being here. This is the second hour of the two-hour show. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have you here. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, obviously, I hope you are doing fine, uh, whatever you're doing and wherever you're doing it from, with all those same usual caveats. Got a, a great conversation coming up uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, definitely want to make sure that you tune in and hear it because it does involve a personal story and it involves some information that, as usual, we're just not getting very much of. Before we get into any of that, though, I want to remind you that, you know, if you're kind of digging that I've got to be free song that I play at the start of each hour, if you like the different in your eyes tune that I normally play ending the first hour as we slide and transition in, and then of course using both hands that we'll be closing out the show with, those are all from my good friend Matt Fitzgibbons, and you can check out his work over at patriotmusic.com. Still want to highly recommend you go over there, visit, see what all he's got going on. He's got new projects going on. He's been uh, active again uh, after a bit of a hiatus, and I'm glad to to hear new music coming from him and, and new stuff as well. He's been uh, popping up some new videos too. Just general good stuff. I love it when Matt gets busy. And uh, if you decide to uh, download some of the music and you're making any payments or you, you buy anything from him at all, uh, be sure to let him know that I sent you. It's not going to get you a discount or anything, but uh, I do still like for him to know that I'm sending people his way, and I, I try to do that ever so often. I probably should do it every uh, broadcast, quite honestly, because not only is he a great historian and a fantastic musician, but he's been very generous allowing me to use his tune, so uh, I definitely appreciate Matt for multiple reasons. Beyond that, I uh, also would like to remind everybody to come join me over at Locals. Uh, go to Locals.com and you can find the Tap into the Truth community. Still not a lot of folks signing up over there. Doesn't cost you anything to join the community. Uh, I'm not doing very much in the way of supporter-only content at the moment. I've got like one video up. And I have no supporters yet. And that's why I haven't bothered putting anything else up. And... Uh, what I will do is when folks do start signing up, I will just make an extra concerted effort to have uh, a higher level of interaction with the folks that do that. And that's the big reward. But outside of that, just come join the community and see what I'm posting uh, as I share news stories from Daily Wire and The Blaze and The Daily Caller. Stuff you can find on your own, but I kind of aggregate stuff that I think is important, along with also... Uh, the links to the most recent shows, uh, so you can, if you're not particularly following this in one location, if you haven't went over to Spotify and hit follow, if you haven't went over to Stitcher and hit follow, if you haven't subscribed at iHeart, wherever you listen to the show, and presumably you're listening to the show before you go sign up at Locals, uh, you'll be able to find it there. Plus, I can put stuff on Locals that other social media sites just won't let me. Like a link to uh, Joe Biden's idea of what cancer research looks like. Uh, 
The reason why I can't post that on Facebook is because it was published over at Clash Daily. And you guys know Doug Giles from his multiple appearances on this show and his own show. Well, at least hopefully you're checking out his stuff. Uh, he is indeed a wild man. And uh, they're very unapologetic. And they just continuously break the community standards over at Facebook so frequently that he's earned a permanent ban. So I'm not even allowed to post a link to my article that doesn't break any of the community guidelines just because it was published there. You know what? I wouldn't want it published anywhere else. I'm proud to be a contributor at Clash Daily as well as with every place else. I just have some, some level of shame for not being a more frequent contributor. I need to take more time to write. Anyway, what do you say we actually uh, cover at least one good topic before we start the conversation with my guest this hour? Seems that we've been talking a lot recently about whistleblowers from the FBI. Well, now a former FBI official is set to go address the whistleblower claims alleging that the agency has, of course, inflated its domestic terrorism numbers. Uh, can I have to go testify in front of Congress? See, the House Judiciary Committee, at least the Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee, they said in uh, a letter this, uh, this past Thursday, excuse me just a second, sorry about that, trying to get to the right page here, the uh, Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee this past Thursday, technically that's today, time of the live broadcast, but never know when you're listening, they said that a top former FBI official must testify before Congress in an effort to address the whistleblower claims alleging that the Biden administration has indeed pressured agents at the FBI to inflate the domestic violent extremism cases. Uh, abbreviated as DVE. Representatives sent a letter to Jill Sanborn, a former assistant director of the FBI, the Counterterrorism Division, and executive assistant director of the National Security Branch. They're going to have to come over there, and she actually happens to be one of the people that the whistleblowers accused as one of the top officials that was exerting this pressure on agents. Turn everything into uh, white supremacists. Turn everything into cases about domestic terrorists. If you can find any angle at all, put that in the report. Even if it's an unlikely possibility, if it's possible at all, we, we want that in the report so we can count it. Because we need to be able to sell to the American people this idea, this false narrative, this notion that we face a graver threat from MAGA Republicans than we do from, I don't know, the Chinese Communist Party. A graver threat from the MAGA Republicans than, you know, uh, Islamic terrorists freely crossing our southern border, as so many other people are freely crossing our southern border. They need to be able to sell this notion this idea that the MAGA Republicans, as Joe Biden uh, once said, the mega MAGA super duper Cooper 
Republicans. So dangerous to people. They want you to believe that anybody that just disagrees with them on any point at all, even just one time, is officially a MAGA Republican. And as we know, Joe Biden did tell us this. We must be honest with each other and with ourselves. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. And he also said this. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. To the very soul of this country. And so, as needed to make that case, we need more proof. We need evidence. So all you fine, fine FBI agents out there, you be sure to burn every case we have into a domestic terrorism case. You be sure to make sure that, be sure to make sure, I feel like I'm being redundant. You make sure that every single case that you're bringing to us that you decide to investigate has some link where we can claim that there is a greater threat to the homeland brewing here in the homeland than anything potentially external. Well, I mean, we, we've talked about it, right? That this is what we know is going on. House representatives said that the former FBI official should, and in their appropriation, would, sit down for a transcribed interview with committee members investigating several allegations concerning the politicalization of the FBI. Seems reasonable, right? Uh, quoting here, it said that whistleblower disclosures made by multiple FBI employees from different field offices suggest that the FBI agents are bolstering the number of cases of DVEs to satisfy their supervisors. This, of course, from Jim Jordan. Uh, also, Mike Johnson uh, wrote part of this as well. So while the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has said domestic violence extremism is the greatest threat to the United States, whistleblowers have indeed sounded the alarm that the corruption and the weaponization of the alphabet agency since the Biden administration took office in 2021, well, it might lead one to have a less than grounded view of what domestic violent extremism really is happening here in the States. I mean, I, for one, would suggest that abortion on demand is just another form of contraception, is a greater threat to the United States than domestic violent extremism. Now, that's not to ignore the fact that we do have a few folks in this country that are willing to make their political statement by doing harm to others. Most of those folks tend to have a political view a little more skewed to the left than to the right, but 
for the sake of argument, we'll just lump them together and say, okay, domestic violent extremism, it's a bad thing, because that much is true. How much domestic violent extremism, eh, that's the part we can't seem to agree on. I'm going to go back to an adage that I've said multiple times on this show. First and foremost, if you're telling the truth, you don't have to have somebody lie to help support your truth. If you're doing a good thing, you don't have to try to hide from it. And if you can win on the merits of your argument based on facts, then you don't have to exaggerate the numbers. You don't have to play games with the statistics. Uh, a lot of fancy ways to say that if you're living your virtue, you typically don't have to signal it. And if you're signaling your virtue, you're probably not living it. Seems pretty straightforward. Anyway, one example that the lawmakers shared explained that FBI officials allegedly, which were being upholding journalistic standards that most journalists don't, allegedly encouraged and incentivized agents to reclassify cases because the Bureau was not finding enough of them. Even though there's a minimal circumstantial evidence to support the reclassification. That's quoting from the statement. Another whistleblower stated that the uh, field office counterterrorism assistant special agent in charge and the FBI's then assistant director of the counterterrorism division pressured agents to move cases into the DVE category to hit self-created performance matrix. They created they demanded quotas. You know, here in small-town America, uh, we've often been concerned about ticket quotas. Uh, a lot of you may have felt like you were the victim of a ticket quota. Uh, this is kind of the same thing, only uh, we want you to pretend like uh, there's a lot of these DVE matters, even if they're not. Really. You get a ticket for speeding uh, when you weren't speeding, but you can't uh, prove it because they had some kind of trap set up. Yeah, same kind of thing here. Hello, we uh, we had a parade. Uh, it, it, we had a parade march in front of our house. Well, then you're part of this ultra-violent parade. Ultra-violent parade. Well, you know, the, we had word that a white supremacist was in with the, the parade route. Just, just one. It was a whole parade. Yes, and now this is a DVE case. Anyway, according to the uh, House members, uh, the GOP House members, anyway, Sanborn served in the agency from January of 2020 to April of 2021. The Washington Times reported that the former and current top FBI leaders, quote, have already determined that white supremacy is a problem adding that they've already begun reclassifying cases to fit that narrative. I'm interested to see what happens. When Miss Sanburn uh, shows up, testifies, should be interesting. Now, a FBI spokesperson's already declined to comment to the Washington Times if Miss Sanborn has even agreed to testify. And, of course, this news comes off the heels of several ongoing accusations 
that the Biden administration has weaponized the agency against the American people. You know, like storming uh, Mar-a-Lago, the home of former President Orange Man who's bad, kicker of puppies, eater of babies, the climate arsonist Donald Trump, uh, the pro-life activists that are facing 11 years in federal prison for, you know, standing up for pre-born baby humans. Uh, yeah, the DOJ has been weaponized. All right. I think we're going to leave that right there. And we're going to go ahead and take the mid-hour break and then slide into my conversation with my next guest. And you're going to want to hear what she has to say. Trust me on this. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with the second hour's very special guest. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Because of the grossly inadequate government school system practice of not teaching complete and authentic American history, one would think that black Americans contributed very little to our American society. Hello, I'm Rod Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, if your refrigerator contains any produce from your local grocery market, then you can rightfully credit black United States inventor Frederick McKinley Jones. Mr. Jones took out more than 60 patents throughout his life of achievement. Amongst them was a 1930s patent for the roof-mounted cooling system commonly used to refrigerate food products on extended transportation routes. Frederick McKinley Jones officially received his roof-mounted cooling system patent for his invention in 1940. He also co-founded the U.S. Thermal Control Company that later became famously known as Thermo King. The company was critical during World War II, helping to preserve donated blood and food supplies for our American war heroes during the massive war between liberty and tyranny. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. So I'll say this. The president has been very clear. You know, as you know, the president has been very clear, very clear, very, very clear. We need more money to plan for the second pandemic. He's been very clear. There's going to be another pandemic. The president is doing what the president is. Your, the president is. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. These are items that the president has been very clear on. End of quote. Repeat the line. And so the president has been very clear. The president has been very clear. I was going to put him in uh, foot. foot. 
excuse me. The president's been very clear. Like a billion, two hundred million. Seven hundred seven 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 thirty seven thousand seven seven thirty seven hundred thirty. Very very clear. All you got to do is look what is being played on played the, 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 this morning. Look, the president has been very clear. But is he going to specify exactly? No, but he has. The best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, do you know anybody that's planning on getting married in the near future? Perhaps even you. Well, there are a right way and a wrong way to plan your honeymoon. And right now, especially given Biden inflation, good idea is to sign up with HoneyFun.com. Now, honeymoons are something they specialize. In fact, uh, HoneyFun is the most trusted honeymoon registry site, period. They're funding not just your honeymoon these days, but also other milestones in your life. But with a Honey Fund page, wedding guest contributes can become cash in your hand for traveling the world together. Just sign up and see why their simple yet powerful cash registry is better than the competitors for honeymoons, home down payments, or any savings gold for your new life together. That's Honey Fund. And you can visit HoneyFund.com to get started. Uh, and full disclosure, I do have a small equity stake in the company. Very tiny. Uh, not even enough that I'm legally required to tell you. But, you know, full disclosure. Don't want to lie to you. I do have a reason to want it to be successful. But you've got a reason to go check it out. Uh, way more than just Honeymoons. HoneyFund.com. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. And uh, I've got a, a little bit different kind of interview for you for this next guest. Uh, we start out by asking the question, is it safe for Americans to move to Mexico or even vacation there? Now, 
I know what you might think. We've got a long-standing tradition of vacationing in Mexico with uh, various uh, results. But before you answer that question, you really want to hear the story that Miss Janet Sanders has to tell us. Uh, first of all, uh, Janet is a was a successful American businesswoman. She's retired now. Her and her husband moved to the Yucatan uh, back in uh, 2016, and uh, things were going pretty well up to a point, or at least maybe I should just let Janet tell you that. Uh, Janet, first and foremost, welcome so much to the show. Thank you for, for joining me. I greatly appreciate you being here tonight. Hi, Tim, and thank you so very much. You ready to tap into some truth about Mexico? I'd say let's do it. Uh, first, let's jump in. Before uh, before we dive in too far, I want to make sure that we're setting this picture up uh, uh, very well. Uh, get a, an idea of who you are, Janet. Uh, what kind of business were you doing back here in the States? And uh, then what led you to decide Mexico was the place you wanted to retire to? Well, you know, since you uh, asked me that question, and I'll touch briefly on this, you and I have some common roots. I used to spend some of my time in Tennessee when I was married to one of the Oak Ridge Boys. Wow. And, um, I know. I love Tennessee. When he passed away, um, I don't know if you remember Steve Sanders, but when he passed, I went back home to Colorado and I started a company in bank card, merchant services. I'm the one who negotiates the rates between the banks and the merchants. I kind of get between the banks and, and, and Main Street. And so I, I, was, I really had a lot of uh, good luck with that and great clients. And you know, we built a, a successful company. And my husband now, is um, has got dual citizenship. He's got family down in Mexico, and he's an American citizen. And we decided we'd go down to the Yucatan. Um, we had a little bit of time, some money, and we love the beach. Plus, anybody who's been down to the Yucatan, or as you mentioned in the intro, a lot of people like to go to Mexico. It's easy to fall in love with the country. I, I, if, you, if you and I had had this conversation six years ago, I was their biggest cheerleader. I fell in love with the Yucatan. I fell in love with the people. And so Joe and I went out and we started to build. And we were kind of bouncing back and forth between the United States and Mexico. And we'd bought a couple pieces of property and we were building a little house on one and a little bar and restaurant on the other. And you can see how my retirement's going to go, right? Yeah. So COVID hit. And it's interesting to see that what happens in the United States, how it trickles around the world. And much of the violence that we're seeing in the United States just magnify it because that's what's going on around the world. And I kind of got caught up that in Mexico. So COVID hit and everybody lost their jobs. Not only that, two different cultures. Here in America, there's a lot of Americans that bank on their rights. They'll speak their mind and they'll stand up to power. In Mexico, that doesn't even exist. The government tells them what to do or the cartels tell them what to do and they just do it. It's a completely different mindset, completely different culture. So they shut down Mexico and then they killed the economy and their tourism didn't come back. So you had a perfect storm going on. Um, Biden takes office. A lot of the fail-safes that they had down in Mexico disappeared. The cocktails got emboldened and empowered and started partnering up with the police. Then we had this influx of South Americans coming through Mexico, and everybody's having to work their way through the country. Well, there's not enough work for all those people. So what they do is they form gangs. They're called choque gangs. Choque literally translates to crash group. And they work in tandem with the police. 
because the police and the cartels are one and the same down there now. It has gotten so bad. And uh, they came at my house. There was 40 of them. And they came in with machetes and guns. And they started burning, killing, and stealing anything and everything they could get their hands on. Um, they held us hostage for 22 hours. We literally had to fight them off with Molotov cocktails and literally anything we could fashion a weapon out of. And most of the Americans or tourists who get caught up in this scene, first of all, there is no recourse with the police for the most part, but a lot of them don't make it out alive. We were very fortunate to make it back up to cartel country and back to the United States so we can now tell the story. Today in Mexico, they hang signs. Americans go home. There are more Americans killed in Mexico today than every other country on the planet combined. There are more Americans missing in Mexico today that they just can't find. I have a friend who uh, just recently, and I don't know if you heard, um, because I know you stay up on everything, but did you follow anything about the machete attack down in Mexico on on, um, Dustin Jackson? So the same thing happened to Dustin. They got a hold of him, robbed him, but they were able to get their hands on him, and they chopped him up pretty good with a machete. They tried to cut his um, Achilles tendon, um, and they failed. And they dumped him out in the jungle. He bled there for three days and finally managed to crawl back to the road. And when the police officer found him, she bandaged him up. She didn't take him to the hospital. She took him right back to the airport and told him to get out of the country because she knew herself how dangerous it is there for Americans. They have targets on us there now. And it's not just whatever you're bringing down there. If they can get a hold of you in the day of electronic money, they will kidnap you and they will torture you until you give them all your bank IDs, your PIN numbers, and then they will steal every dime you have. If you try to go to the government for recourse, the government's in on it. These guys are one and the same. As a matter of fact, after we got attacked, we didn't realize the depth of it. And we brought in a lawyer to start filing some complaints because there were actual police officers with this gang that were robbing the property. And we filed the complaints. And no sooner did we file the complaints, the police got a hold of our lawyer on the side of the road outside of Matter the Yucatan. And they threatened to kill him if he pursued the case. So my first message to everybody is just don't go. It's not worth it. as beautiful as the beaches are, great as the margaritas are, as wonderful as the pyramids are, none of it's worth losing your life over. And right now it's a free-for-all in Mexico because the cartels have become so emboldened. Um, like I said, they're hand-in-hand with the police. They're one and the same. In the Yucatan, which when I moved down there, they were advertising the Yucatan as one of the safest places in the entire world to live. They said it had a crime rate similar to Wyoming. And we did our research. And then we found out through going through the experience that we'd gotten some really bad news. Mexico doesn't let out any of the news that I'm telling you. I mean, these stories are creeping out. They're creeping out by Americans who've escaped. If a journalist in Mexico tries to tell these stories, they kill them. So that's another nice statistic about Mexico. They kill more journalists in Mexico than any other country. So they kill the journalists that try to tell the story and will definitely kill Americans if you try to tell the story. So it's just not worth it to go. The other thing is you're not going to get any help from your own government. So while this attack was going on, 
we were calling our embassy. And our embassy kept telling us to call the police. Uh, we were explaining to them, it's the police that are robbing us. It's the police that are murdering our animals. And they wouldn't send anybody. Yeah. Not a soul. It was the locals who got in and saved us. It was the locals. Unbelievable, huh? So the only way we're going to fix this, there is no, there is no negotiating with this. Our government won't get involved, and I have no idea why. And I got a good up-close look at what we're pushing up towards that southern border. And that's something else I want to touch on real briefly with you. I live next to this little tiny Mayan fishing village. The average median income in these neighborhoods is about $50 a week. These people, their lives are huge. They, they cook and sing and pray and live together. They are, their families all come up together. The children are raised together. They would never leave their homes to come to the United States. The best of Mexico isn't what's crossing that border. It's the choke fallout that's coming across the border. And the problem that it's going to create up in this country is because, like I said, we've got two completely different cultures going on and what's acceptable and what's not. Because I got a very up-close look at just malevolent evil. I have never in my life seen – it was like the purge. I mean, it was, wow. it was insane. It was, it was that malevolent. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it is just so hard for most Americans to wrap their mind around, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the very fact that this stuff actually happens anywhere in the world. Uh, and you, you having to use a movie to try and help people to relate to it just further demonstrates that uh, this is the reality in a majority of the world. And we're very fortunate here in the States to not have to deal with this, but we are also now facing this. Uh, it's an existential threat of an open border because we're further encouraging the narco state to continue to be profitable. We're further encouraging uh, the trafficking of human beings coming through. And they have demonstrated that there is very little, if any, uh, concern for actual human life. And generally speaking, Americans are not well thought of outside of the states, just about anywhere, even amongst our friends. But when you pair that with the fact that these people want to rob us, they think we're all super rich. And, you know, if you have done well for yourself and you want to be part of that culture, uh, as Obviously, you love the actual Mexican culture. You've made that pretty clear. The the people in the village, it's just, it's hard to get the message across. And our mainstream legacy media doesn't make it any easier. They don't want to report the truth about anything that's going on in the border. They absolutely hate it when it gets here. And, you know, it's not just a Democrat thing. Unfortunately, when it comes to our federal government, there's just not enough real movement to try and uh, to improve the conditions throughout uh, Central America and throughout Mexico uh, to the point where the people don't have to tolerate the cartels. And it's not like it would be an easy thing. It would get ugly. But it's just so hard to imagine. I, I can't believe very many listeners are going, wow, that's a great story. I bet there's going to be a, a good movie based on it. This was your life. Literally, you know, you're right. It, it, it's blown. so. Why do you think our government is so remiss? I mean, if if you saw what I saw, you would close that border yesterday. 
Why do you think they're allowing this to happen? Well, you know, it, I mean, it certainly just can't be for borders. I mean, the drugs coming across, you know, the other thing, and I don't ever see it reported up here. It's big down in Mexico. What these cartels do is they go through these little tiny villages and they kidnap these children. And those are the children that they're bringing across the border. And that's why they abandon them. They're not even their kids. They're just using them to get across the border. There's a whole band of mamas in Mexico, and they're putting out flyers, and they've they've gotten a whole campaign going because they're looking for these children of theirs that the cartels stole to cross the border with. I mean, I it just astonishes me. Everything about it is just so negative and black and hurts our country. But take the crime wave that you're seeing in the United States today, and that's bad. Multiply that by a thousand. And that's what they're seeing in Mexico right now. It's not just, you know, pushing some guy in front of a train in a subway. In Tulum last time I was there, they were beheading the merchants and stacking their heads on the corners of the streets, telling them, any merchant who doesn't pay us, this is what's going to happen to you. I mean, the place is ugly right now. And it was at one time. You know, they were they were trying to clean it up. They said, we're going to get rid of the cartels. Like I said, we had a change of, we had a change of president here. And the policy with Mexico changed, and it turned into a free-for-all. But it's open season on Americans right now. Yeah. Well, that's horrible timing, too, because, you know, we were talking just a little bit before uh, we uh, started recording the interview. And, uh, you know, I mentioned this sudden phenomenon where there are people that are living in California that are trying to go to Mexico, finding a better and cheaper way of life because of the policies going on there. Uh, has that movement uh, exacerbated this situation, made it a little worse, or is it just more of the same? Uh, it's just we're already... Go ahead. It's 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 kind of funny, and I didn't mean to interrupt. But not only has it exasperated it, but the American politics have spilled down into to Mexico as well. Um, I had some comments from some of my liberal expat friends that said we deserved what happened to our home because we were conservative. Huh. Wow! I know, I know. It it, it was just absolutely mind blowing. Um, no, they. Uh, it's, it's astonishing. So let's talk about the immigration a little bit. If you want to go down to Mexico, you have to show the Mexican government all of your financials. You've got to show them that you can live for five years without ever taking a dime from the Mexican government. You have to sign something saying that you'll never take a job in Mexico. They don't ever want an American taking a job from a Mexican. You have to sign another document saying that you will never participate in a political protest. You got to go through a pretty significant background check. That's what it takes to immigrate there. So you've got all these Californians going down there, and they're dumping a lot of money in there. And you know, any time that you dump money into a community, when the tide rises, it raises all ships. But that's not how they look at it. They say the Americans are coming down and jettisoning um, the country, and it's making everything more expensive. And they want the Americans to go home. And that's why Americans can be targets because. They've kind of vilified them. I don't know if you've seen anything that's going on down in Africa where they're taking the farms and killing the, the white farmers. But they've kind of vilified Americans down there, making it almost okay to attack one of us. Yeah. And it's just not worth it. Yeah, it, it is, again, it's so hard to fathom that this is the attitude. It does sound like a, a bad movie from the 70s. Oh, senor, you do not want to go. You'll be in jail. Uh, 
jail, jail is a good place. Yeah, when a Mexican jail is safer jail. Yeah, when the Mexican jail is the uh, safer alternative to what's likely to happen, things have gotten bad. Uh, yeah, again. Well, they take it once. They take it one step further too. They've got a really bad problem with corrupt police. So they'll take a police officer who has committed murder, done something horrible, but he works for the cartels. They don't get fired. They just move him to another state. Mm. And that's kind of what happened in the Yucatan. They had a couple of really bad, bad cops, one of them by the name of Saiden Ojeda. You're going to hear that name again because Saiden Saiden killed a boy over in Cancun, and then they moved him over to the Yucatan, and he brought all the cartel with him. And they now run the entire drug trade in the Yucatan. It's just astonishing what's going on. When I first got there, they didn't really really even have a drug trade. And then they opened up the Yucatan coast for tourism. They brought in a couple bad cartel cops. And I cannot believe how quickly the place deteriorated. Mm. I mean, just imploded. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for something bad, it doesn't take much to start the dominoes falling. Uh, you're back in the States now, uh, you said. Uh, what's going on with your property uh, in Mexico? Did you just have to give it up? Is it gone? Are you hoping to ever be able to move back? Or Well, if we go back now, they'll kill us. So we're not going to go back right now. Yeah, we have property down there. Um, we've been reaching out to our government. Our State Department needs to get involved, and they haven't gotten involved yet. If I was a basketball player, you know, smuggling weed, I might get a little attention, but I'm not. So <laughs> I gotta work. On, I gotta work on a different angle there. Um, we've also reached out to um, Governor Dosal. Governor Dosal, who's the governor of the Yucatan, wants to run for president. He runs on this anti-corruption bill, and he's running one of the most corrupt states in Mexico right now. So we brought it to Governor Dosal's attention because it really does need to be fixed and addressed by the Mexican government. But if they can't or won't address it, I'd like to see our government address it. And if they can't or won't address this, we're going to have more Americans killed. And what will eventually happen, Tim, is this will get fixed from the bottom down or from the bottom up. We won't be looking to our government to fix anything. People will quit going. And if they really did want to fix this, that's exactly what we would do. We'd quit. We'd quit spending our money there. Because if there's no money, they can't afford to do this. Right. Yeah, there's no profit in it. Uh, it. It ends in a quick. Because the one thing the cartels understand very well is the principles of business. Uh, so no matter where you go, business is still business. Uh, let me ask you this, though. Given the reach of the cartels and, and given the fact that uh, the current administration has practically swung open the gates, are you concerned at all that you still might be a target, that you're not necessarily as safe as you should be here in the States? Oh, every single day, and the cartels are here. Yeah. Cartels are here. I mean, they are deep into the United States. But you know what they say, darkness can't hide in the light of the sun. So I'm going to bank on the fact that I can scream the truth louder than they can scream their lies. <laughs> And we're going to see if we can, you know, Tim, if we save this conversation that you and I are having, if this saves just one American, just one, we did a good thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and I got to tell you, I just had a conversation a few minutes ago with somebody who's in the publishing business. And uh, he's made the point that, uh, you know, so many people in the industry have kind of bent the knee to the woke mobs and, and how it's 
really kind of antithetical to what publishers should be doing. It should be about the presentation of ideas. And with every question I asked about outside pressures, uh, his response was one of, I fear more about what's happening to the country than I do about what might happen to me personally. So I stand up and I'm getting much the same vibe from you here. Uh, it's like, yes, I understand that there is a target on my back already, uh, it sounds like, so I might as well tell the truth. And if that means I can't hide, then guess what? They can't hide if they come get me either. And, you know, that takes a certain amount of courage. So I applaud you for the courage, but I really love what to me feels like true American patriotism because you're willing to speak truth no matter what happens from there. And that is becoming a rarer and rarer quality in the country today. So thank you for that. Tim, thanks, but I um, and I very humbly thank you. I just think that we're at a time in our history right now where we can't be quiet. You know, it used to be, and you could probably relate to this, you know, you wanted to be tolerant, and you would go along to get along, and things have gotten so outrageous and so insane that I can't be quiet any longer. I just can't. And so... We're going to have a talk about it. And every time we see this happen down in Mexico, because I wasn't the only one. You know, I wish I could say I was special and this just happens to me. No, I wasn't. I was just one of the lucky ones that made it out alive. Every American should travel outside the country at least once and spend some significant time. You will come back to this country. You will drop to your knees and you will kiss the ground you were born on. This is the greatest country on the planet by none. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've often said the same thing in the past. I, I've been uh, fortunate enough to spend time with uh, folks that have done missionary work in Africa. And they said, there's nothing more humbling than seeing people that literally spend half the day going to the local, uh, the, the local dumps, hoping to scavenge enough food uh, for their folks. And again, it's like, if you spend, if you can take some of these, woke, uh, soft-minded, brainwashed uh, kids and send them someplace like that and let them stay, make them uh, survive for just a month. They'd have such a newfound appreciation for the, the freedoms and liberties and what other people have done for them. So yeah, there's, there's no question that this is the point. You have to step, even if you go to someplace like Canada or the UK today, which by comparison are still, you know, great modernized countries. And I, I love the listeners uh, out there and the, got a lot of great Canadian and UK listeners. Uh, but even there, the freedom that exists here, it's just, it's not there. And to see this type of threat where literally you can be killed just because you're suspected of being an American. How do you make people understand that you've got to, to hear this story and the story of others? So, again, thank you so much for telling the story. I, I can't thank you enough. Tim, I, you know, I, first of all, I like talking to you about it for the platform that we get out this information because it is really, really important. Um, what was I going to tell you? I wanted to make one more point real quick, if you have time. Okay. The people that are, are running this, that are this insanity that is, seems to be running the world right now, doesn't realize that it's the good people that are getting trampled. 
When our property was destroyed, five families lost their jobs in an economy where they can't afford to lose their jobs. If they think that this kind of behavior is going to do anything to increase tourism, it won't. It'll kill tourism. They don't care. They deal drugs and they steal. The people that it will hurt are the good people of Mexico. It'll hurt the Ramones and the Bettys. It will hurt the, the Armandos and the Jennies. It'll hurt all the good people. So it has to be addressed, and it has to be addressed quickly. And the only other thing I would say is not only do Americans need to pull their money out of Mexico, but they need to quit buying their drugs. If you cut off that cartel money, you could actually affect a change. And then I'm going to mention one other thing. I do believe that if they ever do want to get serious about going after the cartels, um, Obrador can't do it by himself. You're going to need to send in America. It's going to take U.S. Army, Navy, Marines to go in there and clean this out. They are that dangerous. I don't know if you saw this. Um, To give you an idea, they caught El Chapo's kid. Did you see this on the news? This is one that never got out. They caught El Chapo's kid down in Mexico. Police go in, they catch El Chapo's kid. Couldn't get out of the driveway. The cartel showed up in these pickup trucks. They were armed with military-grade weapons that they'd gotten from the United States. And they told the cops they were going to kill everybody in their family so they didn't turn this kid over. And they let him go. That's Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, again, we, we get to see so little of the actual footage. I, I know every time that something does slip out, I even though I know what's going on because I do get to talk to people who very quietly uh, bring back the information, it's still just so shocking to see it in place. When you see entire towns that are laid waste, when you see entire families that are, are down there doing missionary work that get caught up in gunfire and never make it home, uh, it's just yep. it's terrifying to think that this is our southern border and by the way at the moment we probably shouldn't even call it a border because there's no real effort to try and stop it the uh, border patrol agents have their hands tied they're overwhelmed the cartels are smart enough to know to send large groups to one place so they can sneak the their people that they're trying to get snuck across to at another and it's it's shameful that we have not done more to help our neighbors to the south because they need it. Uh, you keep pointing out the one thing that gets ignored when it comes to folks even just talking about our border, and that is the people of Mexico that are the good, hardworking people that, that do not want to to just live off of the uh, sustenance provided by the government, that they just want to earn and, and be part of the the Mexican life, these people are being squashed. Uh, you you pointed it out, and I don't think we can enough. Good people are being hurt by our government policies, and our governmental policies when it comes to Mexico is probably just as criminal, if not more so, than what the cartels are up to. Because we do have the power to stop them. We could ally with them. We've done stuff in the past. We've never completely unleashed the full fury that we could. And that really is the only solution. Uh, I don't think we're going to do it with this administration. Hopefully we can get one in the future that better understands what's actually going on. From your lips to God's ears, can I tell you? Something has got to give. It, it, it's, um, it's just not safe. 
It's just not safe. But it's crazy all over the world right now. You know, when I got down there and we talk about these pockets of the cartels, you know, I would tell my friends in America, it's like you saying, oh, have you seen the, the crime in Chicago that is so far from where I live? And then it rolled right through my front door. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, Jenna, I want to give you an opportunity to, to throw out any final thoughts that you uh, would like to share. And uh, I, I usually ask guests if they'd like to share any social media handles or anything, if they're inviting uh, people to follow you on social media. I don't know if you should do that, though. But uh, any final thoughts and anything else you want to do before signing off, uh, feel free to take this opportunity. Just stay safe, everyone. Um, America's a wonderful place to live, and Americans are good people. And, and everybody just stay safe. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Janet. And, uh, you know, thank God you guys got out safe. I, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I don't know what else to say. This is such a it's a scary story, and I'm glad to be able to help uh, get a platform so people will know it's there. Hopefully, we can continue to, to speak this truth and uh, get it out for more people to know, because we really do need to, especially now, uh, this current administration has turned every city in the country into a border town. Uh, we need to know what we're dealing with, and... A lot of what's happening on the border is an extension of this, but the Yucatan Peninsula used to be one of those safer locations, and to think that now it's not either, just so crazy. Again, thank you so much, Janet. Uh, I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Janet Sanders, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what's happened down there uh, right after this brief break. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> Joe Brandon, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 well, I'm thanking you. No, no. I promise you. The president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. And I keep wishing that I could forget that too, Joe. All right, that's going to have to be it for tonight. Thank you so much for staying with us to the end. Hope you enjoyed the conversations as much as I did. And remember, uh, the only thing that I ask from you, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take the other guy's word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, a final parting message for Joe Biden. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go
Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. 